Hello to everyone that is joining our broadcast today. My name is Gina Davis and I am excited to share the word of the Lord with you. And I want to give a thanks to the Newark United Pentecostal Church for giving me the opportunity to speak to you. And I know that God has something very special planned for us during this session. Before we get started, I would like to open with a word of prayer. So if you would like to join me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in you. And I ask, Lord God, that you would anoint me to bring forth your word in a way that is understanding. And I ask that you would anoint our ears to hear, our hearts to understand, and our hands and our feet to go and do the things that you have called us to. Enrich us through your word and by your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. I wanted to start with a story today. Uh, it takes me back to my childhood and a show that I watched as a child, and it was called Wild Kingdom. And it was National Geographic that would go around the world, and it would, I think every child was fascinated with just seeing animals from around the world, you know, the elephants and lions and zebras and antelopes and gazelles and just seeing them in their natural habitat. But the thing that always intrigued me is that they would show these animals and they would be in their herds, so to speak. And it was just this camaraderie that they had. They're together, they're one with each other, they eat together, they sleep together, they have fun together, they take care of one another, and then all of a sudden the camera would zoom to the crouching lion or tiger that was hidden in the brush that the group could not see. And then as time goes on, you see, for some strange reason, you might see maybe a small zebra or uh, an elderly gazelle or something would wander away from the herd, the, the pack, and then they would always say, you know, oh no, they need to be protected. They, they need, don't need to get away from the group. And so then all of a sudden, one animal would sense that there was danger and said they would all just scatter and start running. And then you would see the lion or the tiger take off and it would just go after that one little animal that was separated from the group and you were always cheering for the underdog no 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 don't let the lion get them and sometimes they would show that 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 predator would get the small animal and then sometimes they would escape but it was always this thing as don't leave the herd you've got to stay with the herd you've got to stay with the animal stay with the pack and so kind of have that that whole understanding of what happens if we don't stay together? And so that is something I would like to try to just delve into today and talk about a little bit. What happens when we can't be together as the body of Christ? As we face these challenging times, as we go through maybe not being together uh, due to restrictions imposed upon us, as the people of God. We're not able to come together. We're not able to fellowship together. We're not able to, to worship together. And there's just that energy and that synergy that takes place when we are able to share the word of God together. 
what do we do when maybe there, the alarm was sounded and then it seems like there is danger all around and then for some reason we've all been made to scatter and we're, we're in our own homes and perhaps we may feel like we're alone or we may feel isolated. How do we navigate those times when we seem like we are by ourselves and we feel alone? I want to start with the definition of alone. The definition of alone says that is we are left to ourselves or there is no one else present with us. That is the simplest definition of being alone. Well, I want to encourage you and strengthen you through God's word to let you know you are not alone. You are together with God. He has not left us. He has not forsaken us. He will do a great work even though we cannot gather as the body of Christ. We can't be in one big happy family, as I would say, where we can feel the strength of one another, or we feel the encouragement of one another, or we feel like, oh, God can't possibly move. God can't possibly speak to us unless we are all gathered together in his name. So that's where we're starting. And uh, we're going to take our first scripture rep reference. And we are talking about the book of Ephesians. In the first chapter, we're going to look at what God has to say through the Apostle Paul. We are looking at verses 17, 18, and 19 in Ephesians chapter 1. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Now, the verses that I did not cover, you can go back and read it uh, in your time. But in verse 3 through verse 9, in this same chapter, Paul is encouraging the people of the church at Ephesus. And he's saying, I just want to remind you, God has already bless you with all kinds of spiritual blessings. He has chosen you to be his holy people. He has adopted you and he has placed you in the family of God. He has also delivered us from the power of sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's our starting point as the people of God. But he also says, but wait, I don't want you to stop there. That is a cause of celebration. But God has much more in store for us. He wants to reveal himself even more to us. He wants to give us the spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of him. Not only our knowledge of God, but he also wants to impart to us who we are when it comes to being a part of the body of Christ. Especially during these challenging times when we can't rely on the worship of someone else. So we can't rely on someone laying hands on us and praying for us. How does God reveal himself to us? How do we come into knowing the presence of God and feeling the presence of God when we can't be together as the body of Christ? Well, these are things that I really want to cover tonight. The first person I want to talk about is Jacob. And we're going to go once again to scripture in the book of Genesis. Genesis 28 verses 11 through 22. 
At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamt of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven, and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named that place Bethel, which means house of God, although it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow, If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place of worshiping God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. Now, the backdrop of this story, we find Jacob, and what he really is doing, he is running from his brother Esau, because Jacob conspired with his mom that he was going to receive a blessing from his father. And his father did not realize it was Jacob. And so he literally stole his brother's blessing. And so his brother Esau, he said, you know, I am so angry, I just wanna kill my brother. And so here we see Jacob and he is fleeing from the anger and the wrath of Esau. But his parents told him, how about you go and you dwell with your uncle Laban? You need to get out of here. And so here is a situation where Jacob, through his own actions, has placed him in a, in a position where he is no longer dwelling with his family. He's no longer with a group. He's no longer able to encounter Jehovah God with his family. And he's fleeing for his life. And so he comes to this resting place and he goes to sleep and he dreams this dream and the Lord appears to him in this dream. Can you imagine seeing this ladder that stretched from earth to heaven and seeing angels ascending and descending, doing the business of God? And the Lord speaks to him and he says, I am going to be with you. I am going to give you protection. I am going to go before you. I am going to pr prosper you. I am going to bless you to the point that your seed, your descendants, they are going to be as the dust of the earth. And I am going to bless you financially. I am going to pour out all these things that you have no idea what I'm going to do. Now, Jacob is just like, oh my goodness, when he wakes up the next day. And so he is just like, I wasn't even aware that God was with me. I wasn't even aware that God could be for me. And it's an understanding of he was not alone. 
even though he placed himself in a position where he did not do what was best, he placed himself in a situation where he had to flee under circumstances that he created. And sometimes we have those situations in our own life where we isolate or ourselves from the, the fellowship of the body of Christ. But God doesn't cast us away and say, that's it. I'm never going to have fellowship with you again. And I'm sure that if we find a place of repentance, God says, I will bring blessings to you. I will forgive you. I will be with you, even though you are by yourself. Because remember, we're never alone. We may be separated, but we're never alone. And Jacob calls this place Bethel, which means house of God. And you ask yourself, how could it be a house of God? He was just one person. Because our dwelling with God, being in his presence, makes it a house of God. In Psalm 91.1, it talks about, you know, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We don't have to necessarily be gathered in a house, in a physical building, in order for it to be a place where God dwells. We can call our home, an apartment, wherever we find ourselves, that we are sheltered with God. That becomes our house of God. And we can entertain the presence of the Lord because he says he is there. And not only is he there, but he says, I will pour out blessings to you. I will strengthen you. I will guide you and I will keep you in all your ways. And so here we find Jacob. He is building a memorial to the Lord saying, you know, I don't want to forget this. I don't want to lose this moment, even though I was not aware that God was right here with me in this time when I was by myself. The Lord reassured me. The Lord says that not only is he going to bless me as I am away from my, from my family, but he says, you know what? I'm going to bring you back to this place. So just know I am going before you and I am going to give you protection. Now we're getting ready to read another portion of scripture in the book of Genesis that also has to deal with Jacob. Genesis 32 verses 24 through 30. This left Jacob all alone in the camp and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of his socket. When the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. Then Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. Now, here we find Jacob, and this is years later. God has blessed him as he has dwelt with his uncle Laban. He has at least 11 children at this point. He has all kinds of possessions. He has all kinds of servants. The Lord has blessed him 
exponentially in every area of his life. And here we find Jacob going back home. And the Lord has blessed him. The Lord has protected him. The Lord has kept him. The Lord has been faithful and has kept his promise that he made to Jacob when he was back at Bethel. And then Jacob gets word, oh no, Esau is coming to greet you. And here he is feeling this fear once again, like, well, I'm finally getting it coming to me because here's my brother. He's probably still angry with me. So what does Jacob do? He sends everybody ahead of him. He sends all of his possessions. He sends all of his cattle, all of his servants, all of his children, and even his wives. He sends before him to greet Esau like, here's a present from, my, from your brother. Here's a present from Jacob. Now, he is left once again by himself. And what happens? He encounters the Lord again. This time, not in a dream, but in a physical manifestation where he is wrestling with the Lord. And finally, the Lord's like, let me go. He goes, no, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Which is funny to me because Jacob didn't even realize how incredibly blessed he already was. God had already fulfilled the blessings in his life, but he wanted to be blessed more. And the thing that is so cool about this encounter that Jacob has with the Lord while he is by himself is that God gave him a new name. He said, you're no longer going to be called Jacob, the trickster, the supplanter, the person who's always conniving. He says, no, you're going to be called Israel. And this is the first mention of the word Israel in scripture, where God says, you need a new name. I am giving you a new identity, Jacob. You're no longer going to be the same. And you know what else? I'm going to go ahead and bless you even more as you journey back home. I'm going to put my blessings upon you. But it came in a season where Jacob was fearing. He didn't know what was going to happen. And yet the Lord stepped in and said, I am with you. And then he has another memorial he gives to the Lord. And he calls this place Peniel, which means face of God. Imagine in your alone time when maybe you don't know the next thing that you are going to face. Maybe there's adversity. And as we go through this pandemic and as we go through these troubling times, not understanding what is the next thing that I'm going to encounter, God says, I am right here with you face to face. You can have in your time of being by yourself the face of God right before you. And you can have that next memorial that comes in your life where God begins to bless you. He reminds you of the identity that you have in Him. He reminds you, you're chosen. You're already blessed with spiritual blessings. I've already placed you in the family of God. I have already taken away your sins through the blood of my dear son. I have placed you in my body for a purpose and a plan. And yes, you are not with the group, but I still am with you and my spirit is here to bless you and to take you into great possessions and great treasures as I reveal myself unto you. 
I hope that someone is feeling the presence of the Lord right now to know that God will strengthen you and keep you in all your ways. Now, the next person I would like to talk about is Joseph. Now, Joseph was a very unique person because as a child, God was speaking to him and telling him, oh, Joseph, here are some dreams. Your brothers are going to bow to you and your parents are going to bow to you. And you can imagine him as a young person. He's probably like, yeah, you're going to bow to me someday. And his brothers are angry with him. And even his parents are like, what are you all about, Joseph? What is this you keep saying that we're going to bow to you? And he had a promise. He had a word from God that God was going to do something tremendous in his life. And here he is, once again, dwelling with his family, being together, and he's the favorite son of, of his father, and he has a coat of many colors, and he's just like, oh yeah, things are going great for me, I got all these blessings. And then upon a particular day, like any other day, Joseph's life changes forever. And so we're gonna once again look to the word of the Lord in talking about Joseph. Genesis 39, 1 through 6. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All of his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned, with Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Verses 20 through 23. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love, and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Here we have the case of Joseph. He's already received promises from God. He's already received direction from God of where he was headed. The one thing that God did not show him was the process with which he would have to go through in order to see the fulfillment of the things that God had given to him. And sometimes in our lives, we think, oh, wow, God has shown me this, and this is glorious, and this is wonderful, and this is grand. But God doesn't always reveal his process and how he will accomplish his will through us. But the thing that I love about the story of Joseph no matter what Joseph encountered, his brothers threw him into a pit and he begged him, please let me go. And they said, no, no. They fortunately decided not to kill him, but they thought, hey, we'll just make a little money on Joseph. We'll sell him to the Ishmaelites. And that's exactly what they did. They sold Joseph 
into slavery and he is taken down to Egypt. But the scripture bears out, Joseph was not alone. It says, and the Lord was with Joseph. He was with Joseph to the point that he was blessing him without measure that even Potiphar, even though he was a servant to Potiphar, he saw that his household was being blessed because of what God was doing in Joseph's life. Though he was by himself and doing what he thought, I will never see my family again. Obviously the promises of God will not come to pass in my life. He's still being blessed by God and God is with him. And then we have the situation where Potiphar's wife, she makes accusations against him. And she says, oh, he tried to attack me. And so what does Potiphar do? He throws him into prison. But even with that, scripture bears out again. And the Lord was with Joseph to the point that he was even incredibly blessed in prison. So that even the prison guards said, whoa, we've never seen it like this in prison before. We're all getting blessed because of Joseph and because Joseph was faithful and because God was faithful. Joseph ended up being elevated to second in command in Egypt. The only one higher than Joseph was Pharaoh. And as we fast forward, at some point, there is a famine in the land, just as Joseph had said in interpreting Pharaoh's dream. And his brothers did come to him and bow before him. And eventually his family, his father, came to him and bowed before him and understood that he was a great man in Egypt. And Joseph had that aha moment. Wow, God. They meant it for evil, but you were meaning it for good for me. And all that time when I thought I was by myself, and all that time when I didn't understand the plan of God, and all that time I didn't see how you were going to take all of this and work it for my good, you fulfilled your will in me, not only to bless me, but also to save my people, but also for the saving of Egypt and also for the saving of the nations around them because the famine was great in the land. And because Joseph was by himself, the Lord was able with his presence abiding always with Joseph he was able to show Joseph something he had never seen before. Yes, God spoke to him in the beginning and showed him promises, but God was able to show him himself and how he was leading and guiding him in every area of his life. Now, the last person I would like to talk about during this session is Moses. And we're going to take our scripture reference once again from, from the Bible. Exodus 3, 1 through 12. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. 
When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezzarites, Hevites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and now I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of Israel, the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. What an incredible story. Here is Moses. He is rescued as a baby from the river, raised in the household of Pharaoh. He became this child who was scooped up by Pharaoh's daughter, and yet his mother had a hand in raising him. Now Moses understood even as a child and as he grew up, even though he was in Pharaoh's house, he understood the affliction of the people. He even took it into his own hands, unfortunately, and he killed an Egyptian and buried him in the sand. And then the next day, the children of Israel were like, oh, are you going to treat us the same way that you treated the Egyptians? And so Moses feared and he fled from Egypt. And here he is dwelling on the backside of the desert. He's at this point 80 years old and yet he sees this bush that is burning and he's just like, oh my, that's interesting. It's not being consumed by the fire. And he made a conscious decision to turn aside to go see. And the thing that I love about this story is that God said, I am taking note that Moses is wanting to see what is going on. And then God begins to speak to him. Once again, we see a situation where Moses is by himself. He's not with the crowd. He's not with the church body or with fellow believers of Yahweh. He's by himself. He's just doing what he normally does. He's tending sheep and he's going about his business. And all of a sudden, he sees this bush burning. And he turns aside, and God begins to speak to him. And he lets him know, Moses, I have heard the cry of my people. I have seen their afflictions. I have seen how the Egyptians have treated them. I have seen how that they have suffered. But I am going to take you. I know you thought I wasn't going to do anything with you. But I am going to take you, and I'm going to have you go back to my people that are being afflicted and I am going to use you to bring deliverance to the people of Israel and they're going to come out of that dreaded land of Egypt and here is my sign to you I'm going to bring them back to this very place that you are right now and you will be able to worship together so through this time of Moses being by himself. The Lord said, this will not last forever. This time of you being alone, 
I am still speaking. I am still working. I am still hearing. I am still seeing what is going on in the earth. God says, I see the pandemic. I see the racial upheaval in our day. I see what is going on. I see that the enemy is trying to get you isolated instead of insulated with me. I see everything that is happening. But God says, don't you worry. I am going to bring you to this people as you have given yourself, as you have turned aside, as you have put your face toward me to see what is going on. God says, I take note of that. I take note that you are seeking me by yourself but i'm going to turn it around and i am going to bring deliverance to the people of god and you know what's going to happen this is going to be a sign to you at some point you are going to come back together and you are going to worship together and you will see that i have been faithful i have been true i have heard you i have seen you i have been for you i have gone before you you are not lost for I hold you in the palm of my hands. Throughout scripture, there are, there are many examples where people have been separated. They haven't been able to be together as the body of Christ. They haven't been able to worship together or be with their families or be with a group. And God says, I know it's hard. I know that you are suffering, but take heart. Be of good courage. I am with you. I will never leave you and forsake you. My promises toward you are yes and amen. My word is true. All the things that I have promised I will do. You are going through a process. This process is not to destroy you. Do not let the enemy come into your mind and say, oh, this is your destruction. God says no. I am transforming you. I am giving you a new identity. I am going to give you power to reach your community that they may bring, bring deliverance to the people that do not know me. And you know what? It's going to be a sign unto you is that you're going to have those people that are coming out of bondage. Those people are coming out of a situation that they saw no hope and God heard their cries and he says, you know what's going to happen? You are going to worship together. So I just want to encourage you today that maybe you thought, oh, I just don't know. It just seems like things just keep getting worse. You hang in there. You hang on. You stay steady and sturdy in the word of God. Let God show himself to you. Let him give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him and let him reveal to you who he says you are in him. So I just want to end in prayer and celebrate with you today. Lord God, we thank you that we have a God who knows all things about us. He will keep us. He will strengthen us. He will guide us. He will keep us in all our doings. You do not turn your ear from us, but you hear the cry of your people. You said that you, are, you have sanctified us by your blood. You have saved us for your will and your purpose. And Lord, I thank you that we are never alone. We are never forsaken, but we have the Lord Jesus Christ ever present with us. And we take this time of just being by ourselves and we 
call upon the name of the Lord. We set ourselves aside to be and seek the face of God. And we know that you will do great and glorious things in Jesus' name. So today, I hope this has been a blessing to you. And I say, God bless you and keep your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ.